Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to share. I know when Pastor asked me, it's not because he wanted a break. You know, he didn't ask me because he wanted a break. He hates the mic. He hates speaking. I knew it was because he wants to invest in us. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you guys tonight. And this passage and this word was really on my heart when I was thinking about sharing. And it's because when I look at this chapter, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 30, but when I look at this chapter, it comes right before David walks into his prophetic destiny as king. Right before, right before he crosses over into his prophetic destiny, we get a window into his soul. And when I look around at the people here at Rescue, when I look around at you guys, when I look around at people that aren't here, but I'm thinking of you, I see a prophetic destiny of people that are gonna write songs and write books and lead nations and disciple nations. And like Pastor was praying, there's going to be great exploits done in the name of Jesus. And I see that. And I see that prophetic destiny beyond even what I can see. There is so much God wants to do. And this passage to me is about what it takes to step into our prophetic destiny. Because this window into David's life, it comes at a really low point in his life. And so we're seeing what he does to steward his heart to cross over. And he has no way of knowing that the next chapter and the next chapter after that, that he's gonna become king. There's no way for him to know that at the time. So this is what I wanna share about, um, strengthen. And so for those of you kind of going through a hard time right now, this word is for you, um, what it takes to, to be strengthened in your soul. And if you just got a promotion, you're doing really well, I'll send you my Zelle number. Uh, I'll send you some links. No, um, this word is still for you because scripture says we go from strength to strength. So I don't know about you, but I want to keep getting stronger in Jesus, no matter how I'm doing. So this word is for all of us. We are going to be in 1 Samuel 30, so feel free to to go there. We'll be there tonight. Before we head into this chapter, though, this is David's situation. So he's been on the run. He's been a fugitive for 10 years. The current king is hunting him down. His main obsession day in and day out is to destroy David's life destroy him. He's obsessed with that. On top of that, your best guys are a bunch of distressed. It it talks about them in chapter 22. It says they were rejects of society. They were in debt. They were distressed. They were discontent. These are your best guys, okay? The ones nobody in society even wants. These become the only people that will follow you. So he has 400, well, at this point in chapter 30, he'll have 600 guys, but riffraffs, okay? (laughs) On top of that, so in chapter 27, you see David 
He seeks refuge in the enemy's quarters. Okay, he's supposed to be king. He's supposed to reign. He's supposed to represent Yahweh, and he goes to the Philistines and says, "Can I live with you?" Okay, this is a low point in his life. He says in chapter 27, "I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul." Talk about speaking curses over your life. I shall perish by my enemy Saul. There's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to not seek me anymore in any part of Israel. And he lives with the Philistines for a year and four months. Okay. So that's the window into David's situation right now. <gasps> Literally, right before this chapter, in chapter twenty-nine, David tries to enlist in the Philistine army. He's like, "This is the worst." You know what? This sounds like a good idea. I'm gonna try to join the Philistines. I'm gonna try to join their army. And guess what? He gets rejected by the Philistines. They don't even want him. Imagine, like, imagine trying to to go to Satan and be like, "Yo, I'm despairing of life. Can I join your army?" And Satan himself is like, "Nah, bro. You're too messed up. I can't recruit you. You're too unstable." I mean, this is like David's low of the low, right? This is what we have right now. David's situation, and we walk into First Samuel 30, so one to six. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. This is in the Philistines. On the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. So this is where David and his, you know, 600 boys. They're they're camping out here. They've been living here. The Amalekites come and destroy, burn with fire, where they've been living. Okay, so the Amalekites in chapter 15. These are the people group that King Saul was supposed to annihilate completely, wipe out, destroy. Do not leave anyone behind. And David、uh, and Saul, he doesn't do that. He takes what is worthless. And he destroys that, but he keeps for himself and the army what looks good in his eyes. So, just to pause and say, you know, when God tells us to do something, and He says, "I'm gonna give you the power to completely walk this out," and we choose to not obey, and we choose to live in dis unbelief. The people that pay for that—it's not just you; it's the generations after you. The generations after you are gonna pay for the sin that he said, "I'm giving you power to overcome. I'm giving you power to destroy this completely in your life." And when we choose not to believe that, when we choose not to move forward and act in that, you're gonna destroy your life, and you're gonna destroy the the lives of your children after you. And, and that's what we see with the Amalekites. King Saul was supposed to destroy them completely. If he had, we would not have this situation where this town is now burned. The wives, the children of this whole army—they've been captured. So as we keep going, you know, it says they took captive the women, small to great. They didn't kill anyone, but they carried them away and went on their way. 
So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives had been taken captive as well. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Um, this is a terrible place to be. You're the guys that you took that were rejects of society, you train them up. You train them up to be mighty men of valor. That's how they're described. Mighty men of valor, the Lord's army. You transform them under your leadership. They become like these men. And now that they're strong, they want to destroy you. They want to kill you. And one thing I want to say about the link between grief and rage, grief and anger, in this situation, the men, they're so distressed. You know, imagine your whole family, your wife, your children, everything. You gave up everything to follow this guy. And now everything you had has completely been destroyed and is gone. There is a link between our grief and our rage. If we do not unload the grief inside of us. Right. Underneath what's going on is pain. They want to kill David, but what's underneath that? It's pain. It's pain. It's hurt. It's, it's disappointment. And when we don't get that stuff out, it will morph. It will not just stay in this cute little corner of our hearts. It will devolve. Yep. It will destroy our hearts and turn into rage, turn into anger, turn into hatred, bitterness. So we want to get at that stuff early. So the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So your, your best guys are the rejects of society. You go to the enemy's camps. They don't even want you in the army. Your house and city have been burned down. Your wives and children have been captured. This is a really bad day, guys. This is a really bad day for David. So what does David do in this situation? That's what we want to talk about tonight when we're talking about being strengthened. First, what does David not do? Okay, in this situation, everything has been captured. These men want to take your lives. What might we be tempted to do in that situation? This is what David does not do. He does not take matters into his own hands and, and start acting and, and, and say, hey, this is what we gotta do. I have a plan, I have a strategy. This is how we'll recover everything. David does not do that. David does not take false responsibility for the souls and the emotions of others. Excellent. He does not take that on himself. All that grief of those 600 men that he feels responsible for, he does not take that onto himself and act in a way where he's falsely taking responsibility for anybody else. 
you're responsible for your emotions, that person is responsible for theirs, you do not take on the emotions of anybody else. He does not get defensive. He does not try to defend himself saying, hey, I did the best I could. He doesn't try to do that with this army. He doesn't try to form allies. He's not trying to recruit some people to be on his side, to get his view of the situation and what went down and why he did what he did. He does not do that. He doesn't run away. <laughs> which is what some of us might be tempted to do in stress. Just shut the whole world out. He does not do that. He doesn't lash out at anybody. He doesn't eat a pint of ice cream. He doesn't drown himself in Netflix. He doesn't do any of that stuff. What does David do? First, we, we, we're hearing that they grieve. All of them grieve together. So David too, he's grieving. He weeps until he has no power to weep anymore and just pausing here acting like nothing bothers you and everything's okay and you know that you have no stress that is not strength that is not strength minimizing disappointment in your life is not strength pretending like things don't affect you is not strength. That does not make you a strong person. When we don't take stock of grief and stress and even minor disappointments, things we hoped for, things we expected, things we wanted, and they didn't come out quite like we thought or expected, when you don't take stock of that, it will morph. It will not just stay under the rug of your soul, it will morph and it will poison your soul. You wanna get that stuff out. We gotta drain the pain inside before we hurt the people around us. So daily, take stock, what's going on in the soul? And where we go with the pain, the disappointment is key. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This is the key phrase, the key verse. The NIV version, it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And that does not quite capture what's going on here. He didn't just stumble upon strength yep. in the Lord. He didn't, um, you know, he didn't just passively receive strength. This verb in the Hebrew, it's a reflexive verb. So it's an intentional going after it. You do it onto yourself. Nobody does it for you. The pastor doesn't do it. It doesn't happen by you coming to church on Sundays, or you coming to church on Wednesdays, you singing worship songs. It doesn't happen like that. It's an intentional pursuit of something you do to yourself. You do it to yourself. Nobody else can do this for you. Nobody can impart this to you. Nobody can lay hands and give you this. You have to do it to yourself. That is the only way this happens. Strengthening himself in the Lord his God. What does it mean to strengthen yourself in the Lord? I think pastor probably shaved like 10 minutes of my talk because the answer was from Sunday. He gave us 
the path to transformation. The path to getting strengthened in the Lord is in these three. There's more, but this is just a reminder of Sunday's message. So if it's like, huh, this doesn't sound familiar, go back and listen to Sunday's message. What does it mean to strengthen yourself in the Lord? How do we do that? Prayer, renewing the mind, taking stock of what are our thoughts, what's occupying our mind. Does it match up with the mind of Christ? If not, get that renewed. Uproot that thought. Reflect, contemplate, behold Jesus. When we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, what we're really learning how to do, and this is so key to walking in our prophetic destinies, you have to learn, we have to learn how to govern our hearts. Govern your heart. You're learning how to govern your heart when you strengthen yourself in the Lord because you're seeing the places where something other than the strength of the Lord is occupying space. That's what it means to govern your heart. You're searching, you're having the Lord search your heart to see, is there anything other than the Lord's thoughts, the Lord's heart? Is there anything other than that that's occupying space? Here's a few verses. Keep watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You know, I work for Abner Suarez. I say I work for, but it's like, you know, I don't know how else to say it, but I so appreciate this man. Just watching him, listening to him, I feel like so much has changed in me and in DK just from being around Abner. And one of the things he talks a lot about is governing your heart and this verse. Keep watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. That, that word keep watch, it's basically saying you are a watchman over your own heart. You are the watchman. So you're supposed to watch after it. You're supposed to guard what comes in, what comes out. That's on you. Keep doing it with all diligence because what wants to come out, Jesus in us, life, everything of his life, of his peace, of his joy, of his, all the fruit of the spirit, that's what wants to spring forth from Jesus inside of us. So it's our, we're the watchmen, we're supposed to guard, is that what's coming out today? Is that what's coming out with this person? Are those my thoughts toward this person? That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. Paul's prayer, he says in Ephesians 3, 16 to 17, he's praying that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The inner man is that person, the spirit inside of us. It's hidden. Most of the time you, you, won't, you don't see it. But when there's stress, when there's pressure, when there's pressing, poking, prodding, when somebody does you wrong, guess what comes out? The inner man, the inner spirit that we've cultivated with Jesus. That is what will emerge. 
that is what will reveal itself. So you could have somebody that looks externally strong on the outside, but their inner man is very weak. You could have somebody that's strong on the outside, strong on the inside, and the one none of us want is if you're weak on the outside and weak on the inside. We don't want that. But that inner man, that's where it flows from. That's where it's spirit to spirit connection with God. Are we living from that place? Are we allowing God to strengthen the inner man inside of us? Christ wants to dwell in our hearts, dwell there so that every thought, every action, every reaction is Christ dwelling and coming, coming out. So Jesus wants to strengthen the inner man inside of us so that what comes out is Christ. So he's dwelling, he's dwelling, he's habiting, he's staying because we're not grieving him. The kingdom wants to start inside of you. Luke 17, 20, 21, the kingdom of God is within, right? We talk about how it's an inside out job, the kingdom of God moving. When you and I, when we learn to govern our hearts, it's like God is able to promote and say, okay, you've learned how to govern this, what I've entrusted to you, now I can give you more. Govern this land, govern this space. And he can continue to entrust us with more and more. We're meant to govern, we're meant to take dominion for Jesus. Because when we do that and when we have a governed heart by the Holy Spirit, what comes out when we govern is Jesus. And gosh, do we need that more than ever right now, okay? Look in any sector of society, and we need the governance of Jesus. And we need people like us, we need to go into these sectors of society and govern well in the name of Jesus. Governing your heart. The enemy, what the enemy wants you and I to focus on is problems, trauma, attacks, shortcomings, yours and others. That's what the enemy wants you to focus on. That's what the enemy wants to keep replaying in your mind and in your heart. That's the enemy's agenda. Focus on these things. As you focus on them, they grow. They grow. They grow in power. He'll use lies to make those things appear bigger than they are. He'll use lies to make those things seem bigger than the solutions that you carry inside of you. What do I mean by that? Do you know that for every problem and every situation you face, the solution is inside of you? Did you hear me? It's inside of you. If every kingdom solution is found in Jesus, if Jesus lives inside of you, yep. 
then even my brain can understand the transitive property. If A equals B and B equals C, then the solution, the kingdom solution that's necessary is inside of you, Amen. is inside of you. But the enemy wants you to focus on the problem, on the outside, on this, on that, so that you don't see the solution you carry inside of you in yep. Jesus. You don't see the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. We have to govern our hearts because from our hearts is where we think, is where we focus. David says in Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is the same Psalm where David says one thing Right? The one thing I have desired, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David wrote this psalm. He didn't write it in a prayer closet. He didn't write it in a worship set um, like this, in the safety of this building. He wrote it as he was being pursued by his enemies. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. This word wait in Hebrew, it's kava. It means to wait patiently, to look patiently for, and to bind together by twisting. So there's this picture of a tree with its roots twisted, if you can see it. Twisted trees where the, where the bark is twisted, they are more durable, they are more able to withstand higher winds, higher pressure, uh, stronger snowstorms, they're able to endure more than if you just have straight bark. When we wait upon the Lord, what we're doing, you're not just like sitting on your couch, like, all right, twiddling your thumbs, I'm here, God, whenever you want to deliver. No, what we're doing is we're twisting ourselves into the nature and the character of Jesus. You're binding your heart into the nature and the character of Jesus. And what happens in that process is you're able to endure more, more. You're able to endure. That's what strengthening is. When you and I, when we learn how to wait on the Lord, we get twisted and bound into the one, the one who in his lowest, lowest moment, when he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful.
to the point of death. And still he's pressing in to the Father. And still he's surrendering his will. And still he's pushing through. And he's surrendering his will to the Father. We get bound in our souls to this one when we wait on the Lord. We get bound to the strength of this one who started sweating blood in his wrestling. That's who we get bound to, the strength of Jesus. That's who I want to be bound to. You see, the world does not need your strength. And it doesn't need your gifts. It really doesn't. It doesn't need mine. It doesn't need more of me. It doesn't need more of you. It needs the strength of Jesus that lives on the inside of you. It needs the endurance of Jesus that lives on the inside of you. It needs the power and the healing of Jesus that lives on the inside of you. To wait on the Lord, to strengthen ourselves in Him, this requires patience, right? That's what we're learning. Wait on the Lord. It requires patience. Because this process, it doesn't happen in one night. All right, let me practice this when I go home. Bam! It happens through your exercising this over and over and over and over and over again, day in, day out, week in, week out, whether you see results or not, whether you see the strength or not, you keep going after him month after month, year after year. And then you realize at some point there's a breakthrough you're a different person, the promises of God, you you start seeing movement, fulfillment. It requires patience. It's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. If we just inherited all the promises of God at salvation, we would not need patience and we would not need faith. It's through patience that we possess, acquire for ourselves, our souls, governing our souls. It requires patience. And patience leads to ruling our spirits. He who is slow to anger, Proverbs 16.32, is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Patience in the process. Patience in the press, because we're all going to be pressed. If you haven't been pressed, you will be. (laughs) If you've been pressed, you'll be more pressed. Me too, I'm talking to myself. Patience in that leads to the prize. It leads to the prize. What is the prize? (laughs) Pastor David Greco shared this. The prize is Jesus. The prize is Jesus. No matter how long it takes, Day in, day out, you know what the prize is? Jesus. Jesus' heart, 
Jesus's mind, Jesus's affections, Jesus's, when you're interacting with a person, what is Jesus thinking about them? What is Jesus saying to them? What is Jesus believing and hoping for that person's destiny? That's what you get. That is so much better than Tina. <laughs> the prize is knowing Jesus. How can we make Jesus known in this world if we don't know him? If we don't know him, what we're giving to this world is a Jesus made in our own image. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing in many places, in many churches, in many Christians. We are giving this world a picture, a false Jesus made in our own image. And, and the world saying, I don't want that. I don't need that. Because we're not giving Jesus. We're giving ourselves. We're giving a Jesus in our image. DK talked about that a little bit. The world doesn't need a Jesus in your image, in my image. We can't make Jesus known if we don't know him. If we don't know him through every press, through every trial, through every temptation, finding the strength, the character, the nature of Jesus press out, push out of us in those situations. We don't know him if we don't know him in those places. David, in the next verse, after he strengthens himself in the Lord, it's only then, after strengthening himself in the Lord, that he does this. He inquires of the Lord. The order is very intentional and very important. It's not a good idea, guys, to inquire of the Lord, what should I do in a time of stress? God, what should I do? What's, what do you want me to do? It's not good to inquire when your faith level is very low. When your picture of who God is, who Jesus is, what he's able to do, his promises, his character, his nature, when that is low, that's not the time to inquire of the Lord. That's the time to get strengthened in the Lord. This order is very important. In James 1, 6-7, it says, Let the one who asks, ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. No anchor. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Ouch. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So David recognized he was low in faith, right? Given the situation, the context that we're stepping into. And he knows he has to get himself into a place of faith in God before he can inquire. You know, that's kind of the opposite of a lot of us. Um, when you find out a troubling situation or um, somebody's sick, there's an emergency, or you just got fired, or you know, something happens to you like that. What's the first thing we tend to do? God, help! Help me! Deliver me! We start telling pastor, we, we start texting pastor, we start telling everybody, pray for me! Pray for me! This is what happened. Help! 
So when we do that, what we're doing is we are ourselves completely depleted of faith and we're going to other people to say, pray in faith for me. God, help me. Help me, help me, help me. But your faith level in who God is is so low. You know what that is? That's double-minded. <laughs> That's double-minded. That's unstable. That's treating Jesus like a genie in a bottle. The order is get yourself strong in the Lord. Get into his promises. Get into his word. What has he spoken? What's, on the, what's the strength inside of you that he has for you? Who has he been through all of history? What's the testimony of Jesus in your life, in your family's life? What has he done? What has he delivered you of? What has he healed you of? Remember what he's spoken over you. Get yourself strong in the Lord. And then find out, God, what are you doing? What do you want? What do you want me to do? Faith is we move forward in trust. Trusting that God is all these things. God has solutions for you for every situation you're in. Amen. God will supply every need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. The reward does not come from man. The reward does not come from man. No promotion comes from a man. I don't care for thank yous. Your reward does not come from man. It comes from the Lord. Get yourself strong into that truth. God has power to act. God cares about you. He has your best in mind. Get yourself anchored in that. And God is working out good on my behalf, on your behalf. Faith is trusting that for every problem, every situation, every trial, God has a solution inside of you in Jesus. Jesus has the solution. Jesus has all the resources. Jesus has all the wisdom you need. Get yourself strong in that truth. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us with all that we need. He rewards us with himself. He rewards us with the strength. And he rewards us with things to show the world that he's on our side. Okay? DK just got two watches this week. <laughs> I'm like, God's rewarding him. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so we're going to continue in 1 Samuel 30. I'm just going to grab my Bible. 30 verses 18 to 31. And I'm going to close-ish here. <laughs> All right, we're in verse 18. You guys are used to it, so it's all right. <laughs> Pastor's conditioned us. It's not a hostage anymore. All right, verse 18. So this is what happens after he strengthens himself in the Lord and inquires and says, okay, now he's strong in the Lord. What should I do, Lord? Should I take them? Should I overtake them? Should I move up? 
and he gets answers. You know how he gets answers? Because his faith level's high. He can hear. Because <laughs> what's not distracting him is his pain and his stress and his anxiety and his concerns. He's already poured that stuff out. So David, after all this, what happens is he recovers all that the Malachites had carried away. He rescues his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David. So there's 200 men that stayed behind because they were exhausted. 400 men went, up, went with him to take the Malachites. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they, those 200, did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. So what's happening here, and I just want to look at some key takeaways in David's leadership, because I see a lot of leaders in this room. So this last bit, this is the pathway that I want us all to not just memorize these words, but to actually walk it out, actually practice this in, in our day to day. The order, strengthen yourself in the Lord, receive faith, receive lambano, okay? I'm, I'm using Pastor David Greco's word. Receive it, grab it, grab that faith, possess it. Receive strategy is next. Once we're full in faith, that's when we receive strategy. And then take action. Move, right. move, move. This is the order. Key things I see in David. Cultivate a team mentality. Team, not individual. Not, I did this much, that person did that much. They don't deserve as much. Team, this is a team. This is kingdom. This is family. Yep. Cultivate a team mentality. He snuffed out the, hey, those 200 guys, they didn't come with us, so they don't deserve as much as we did. Because we put in a lot of time. We risked our lives. We laid our lives down. What the heck did they do? David is covering over that mentality and saying, no, <laughs> no, we are one team. And on top of that, you didn't do it. The Lord did it. The Lord is the one that delivered us. The Lord is the one that preserved our lives. So by him coming over, he's saying, you didn't do that. I didn't do that. The Lord acted on our behalf. Were it not for him, this would not have succeeded. Uproot entitlement. Yep. 
uproot a poverty mentality. When we are thinking, okay, this much for me, they don't get it, you know, they don't get as much as us, there's a poverty mentality underneath that. Because what you're saying is there's not enough for everybody. There isn't a God that's generous that has more. We gotta uproot, we gotta be watchful of a poverty mindset where you look to people and to resources as your source. When God is our source. And remember those that helped you. The rest of the chapter, David gives parts of the spoils to all the people that helped him along the way, all the people that risked their lives, that, that allowed him and the army to stay with them, fed them, did different things. He remembers them all, and he gives to them all. That's right. None of us are where we're at because of ourselves. None of us. Remember those that helped you and keep remembering them. Amen. So when you guys are all successful, you can give Pastor a check. <laughs> he didn't uh, pay me to say that. Um, and I'll just close here. The, this word was on my heart because I really see it as the key to walking into our prophetic destinies. I really see it as we're going to go through stuff. And, all, and if you look outside, the world is in high-level distress. Yeah. High-level distress. I'm right in I mean, it's crazy the things that are going on right yeah. now. It's distress coming out, showing itself. Yeah. Yeah. We, as the people of God, with the power of God and the solution of Jesus on the inside of us, we have to get strong in the Lord. We have to inquire of the Lord, what are you doing? What are you wanting us to do? And we have to lead the way. We have to lead the way. We have to move with heavenly strategies so that the kingdom of God breaks out. <laughs> so that the distress becomes a kingdom of peace and joy and a kingdom of order as God intends this world to become. So that's my just last word to us. Every day, take stock of your heart, govern your heart every day, every moment, you know, ask the Lord to search and, and, and ask him to strengthen you in your inner being, the prayer that Paul prays from Ephesians 3. Pray that over yourself. Pray that over your brothers and sisters. Um, okay, let me just pray for us all. Jesus, we thank you for your strength. We thank you for the solutions and the strategies you hold. We thank you that you long to bring order and peace into places of chaos, into distress. 
You want us to lead. You want us to have victory. God, would you train us? Would you teach us? Would you strengthen us in our inner being? Would you give us patience in the pressing? And would you give us that knee-jerk reaction of going to you, God, of pouring our hearts to you? Transform us, God. And we thank you. It is your delight to do that, to share your strength with us. <laughs> thank you so much. We appreciate you so much. We appreciate you so much, Holy Spirit. We just say we're dead without you. So, Lord, would you take us from strength to strength that the kingdom of this world would become the kingdom of our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.